I'm back. Thank you all for tuning in to another episode of Drop Balls Podcast, your favorite podcaster's favorite sports podcast. Yes, you heard your boy right. Your favorite podcaster's favorite sports podcast. And if you're listening today on Apple Podcasts, please be sure to leave your boy that five-star rating if you enjoyed the show. Leave a comment. Let me know what you all like. Let me know what you all dislike because your comments help me get better at my craft. Your critiques help me get better at my craft. So be sure to leave your boy a comment, um, like, share, and subscribe, all of the above, no matter where you're listening to it. Go ahead and do your boy a solid right there. Um, before we get started with this episode, I do want to let you all know this episode is being brought to you by King's Ransom Apparel. If you haven't done so yet, go check out krathletics.com. It is my apparel line, my clothing line. Um, athleisure apparel, all of that, hoodies, sweatshirts, um, workout gear, sweatpants, yoga pants. We are going to put out some biker, the, the female biker shorts here soon, just as soon as I finish the design with that. So go ahead and check out krathletics.com and use the code drop balls to get 15% off of your first purchase. This episode is also being brought to you by Thrive Fantasy app. Now we have Football right around the corner. We had our first preseason game, the Hall of Fame game between the Dallas Cowboys and the Pittsburgh Steelers. I believe it was on Thursday. Um, so for, and this weekend is nothing but football. We got football coming up. So go ahead and download the Thrive Fantasy app today. It is available on your Google Play Store as well as the Apple iTunes Store. So go ahead and download that and hit the link. Actually, you can hit the link down in the description. And it will automatically take you to wherever you, you know, wherever your phone or whatever uh, to download to download the app. And now they will match you up to fifty dollars on your initial deposit. So the minimum deposit is twenty dollars. They will match you up to fifty. So go ahead and sign up, make that deposit, and they'll match. Like I said, they'll match you up to fifty and get to making this money. Now they take all of the research, all of the guesswork out of it because they only ask you about the top tier athletes in their respective sports. So come make some money with your boy and prop up and download the Thrive Fantasy app. Um, hit that link in the description and it'll take you straight to whatever phone store or whatever app store you use so you can download the app today. But anyway, let's get into this, man. I just got back from vacation. I was in Mexico in Playa del Carmen. It's about 45 minutes to an hour away from Can south of Cancun. And I was down there for my homeboy's wedding, my old roommate, his wedding. Um, his wife is Mexican. Most of his most of her family is down there um, in Mexico, like just all over Mexico. So in order to get them to the wedding, they decided to have the a, destin a destination wedding in Mexico. Um, I stayed at Ixcarat uh, Arte. It's an all-inclusive resort down there in Playa del Carmen. And man, it was dope. Like we got there. The views were dope. If you follow me on IG um, at L-E-W-I-C-O-7 or if you follow me on Twitter at DropBallsPod, you all would have saw the videos and everything I took. The wedding was dope. Um, the place the the place that they had the wedding at was dope. The reception was dope. I got entirely way too drunk, which was on Saturday. That was the day of the wedding. I got too drunk that night. I probably had like 10 shots of tequila, three margaritas, and maybe like five uh, Coronas. But, um, and I was leaving Saturday or leaving Sunday morning 
and had to leave the resort at 4 a.m. to get to the airport by 5 because you got to be there three hours early so you can go through customs and all that other stuff. But, yeah, it, it was a rough flight back home. It was about six hours. It was a rough flight back home. That's all I can say about that. But I don't know, man. I had a great time. I, I definitely going to start traveling more. Um, I would suggest anybody that goes to Mexico, if you're going to Cancun or anywhere in that area, be sure to check out Playa del Carmen. Also, check out Iscarat Arte. Like I said, it's an all-inclusive resort. Um, and, bro, like I, or man, I had one of the biggest and best. I wish I would have took a picture of it, but it was one of the biggest steaks I ever had in my life. And it was probably the best steak I ever had in my life. Um and it was free, well, not free, but you know, you didn't have to really pay for it. I only spent maybe about a hundred dollars down there, and that was just because I took a hundred out the ATM, um, which is two thousand pesos. Took two thousand pesos out the ATM, which is like I said, a hundred dollars US dollars. Um, and I used that for tips and to buy souvenirs and stuff. But uh man, I, I took some money out the ATM. When I took the money out the ATM, I looked at the receipt and I saw it said like I had like sixteen thousand dollars in the account, and I'm like, oh shit. Where where that money come from? And then I had to realize it was only pesos. And so I was I was tripping for a minute. I was, you know, I was like, damn, we about to get lit for real. Um, I think on Thursday night we actually ended out or ended up going to um we went off of the resort because some of his some of the other groomsmen were staying at another resort and so we couldn't really go on each other's resort unless you pay like a hundred dollars or something like that to get into the other person's resort for the day for a day pass. So what we did is Thursday night when we all got there, um, we went off the resort. We went to the store. And man, it was humid as hell. I probably went through three shirts that night because it was so humid. Um, and my shirts were just drenched in sweat. But anyway, we, we went off resort, went to the store, got a bottle of tequila. And then we went to Playa del Carmen, the actual, the actual city, to go uh, find a place where we could drink. And so we're driving around and we're like, okay, well, we're going to go to the beach down here in Playa del Carmen. And we're going to chill, drink on the beach and, you know, just have fun, blah, blah, blah. And then we got end up getting pulled over by the police. So it was me. Of course, I'm black. Uh, it was the dude who was getting married. He's a he's white. His brother, who is also white, his brother in law, who is black. And then his one of his other friends who is Mexican. And so the dude who's Mexican, his name is Lester. He he could speak Spanish. So when we got pulled over, he spoke to the cop in Spanish. He was actually the one driving, too. But uh, the cop told us to get out to so he could search the car and um, then was asking us about drugs and all that. Well, he asked me, like, look directly at me. It was like, no drugs. And I'm like, nah. <laughs> and I'm like, nah. Like, but why you only look at me like I leave America and I still get harassed by the cops. Like, why are you only looking at me asking me if I have drugs? And I don't know if it was because I'm the one, the only one that has tattoos, like all down my arms and everything. Um, or just because I was the biggest one out the group because I was taller than everybody besides um, my, my homeboy's brother. But still, like, it was just like, I don't know, it was crazy. But we got pulled over. He didn't ask us, ask us for any cash or nothing. He just... Um, he told us where we could drink at, you know, if we were drinking our bottle, he said we could drink on the beach, but if he, if they got, if they caught us drinking on the sidewalk or, or anywhere, then they would put us in jail for like 36 hours. And so we definitely didn't want that to happen. So we ended up just leaving, going back to the resort that they were staying at. And, um, we just snuck on the resort and went down to the water and just drank the tequila, had, had a good old time down there. Didn't get back to the room. So about like two thirty. 
but it was fun. Like I said, I, I advise anybody, whether you're single, couples, or whatever, stay at It's Karat Arte or It's Karat because there's another one, It's Karat Mexico. But stay at either one of those. The resort is dope, um, all inclusive, drinks, uh, <laughs> drinks, bottled water, uh, pool bars, like all types of stuff. Man, I drank so I drank so much that weekend. I don't want to. I don't want to see alcohol for another month. I don't want to smell alcohol. I don't want to drink alcohol for another month. As I take a sip of this rum that I bought back from Mexico. But after this, I don't want to see alcohol or smell alcohol for another month. And that's that's a fact. Um, but nah, it, it was so much fun. I, I definitely want to start traveling more. Um, I want to go to Greece next year. I think I'm going to take a trip to Crete, Greece. Um, we'll we'll see about that. But I think that's the that's the next trip. That's the one I'm planning right now, trying to decide where I want to stay. Looking for an all-inclusive so that way everything is pretty much paid for all in my, you know, my stay. But anyway, let's get to this episode. We had a lot of stuff happen um, over the past few weeks. We had NBA free agency, a bunch of signing trades, a whole bunch of stuff. And first off, I want to start off with my my Miami Heat. Now, at first, you know, I was like, I don't want Kyle Lowry. I didn't want Kyle Lowry to come to Miami um, and everything because I was just like, I don't see a way that he makes us better. But after talking to some people, I'm starting to come around to the idea. Um, one of the things is you have to trust Pat Riley. Like, you just have to trust in Pat Riley and what he's doing for the Miami Heat. And so that's one of the things I'm trying to do is trust my guy, Pat Riley. Um, but nah, so like, you know, talking to some people, they're saying like, with Kyle Lowry, it brings a whole new dynamic to to Bam. Like, it opens up Bam to... Uh, to become a lot better than what he is with Kyle Lowry. Not only that, but it strengthens our defense. Like, you know, Kyle Lowry is a little pit bull on defense. He's that little annoying six-foot point guard that's going to hound you. Now, he is, I believe, like 35 or 36. So he is up there like Chris Paul. But uh, if he if he still can be that dog on defense, then I guess it'll be okay. But they, they signed and traded for, or they signed uh, Goran Dragic back. And then they traded him along with uh, Precious to Toronto for Kyle Lowry. Um, They extended Jimmy Butler. And then they re-signed Duncan Robinson. Still got Tyler Hero. They went and got P.J. Tucker. He was a free agent. Stole him. Um, They brought back Victor Oladipo. Now, I don't know when he's going to be healthy enough to play. And, I mean, really, honestly, like, with Vic, is like he's been hurt. The past three seasons, three, four seasons. So we really don't know what you're going to get from him. They also went and got Markeith Morris. So you could tell they really trying to turn up on defense. They really trying to turn up on the defensive side of the ball. And I think let Duncan Robinson, Bam, and uh, and Tyler Hero get some buckets. You know Jimmy going to get some buckets. Kyle Lowry probably going to get you about 16 a game. Jimmy going to get you probably about 22, 25 a game. Um, and Duncan, he, he a three-point shooter. He a sniper. Um, then they also went and signed one of the dudes from the summer league, Omir Yurtsevin. Um, He's a seven-foot guy. Uh, and from what I was watching in the summer league, bro can shoot. Bro got the strap at seven foot. Got the strap. He can stretch the floor and everything. So that might be a good addition. I would like to see how he, uh, how his game transfers when you actually get into 
real NBA games against not against like the kid, the dudes of your like the peers, but like when you really get into the NBA, like really get into those games. Um, so Miami probably had a pretty good offseason. I'm, I'm still not 100 percent sold on it, but I'm coming around a little bit. So we'll see how it comes together once the season starts. But uh, I, I still don't I still don't know about Kyle Lowry. You know, people are telling me like this is what this is what happened. Like this is what's gonna happen with Kyle Lowry. Especially, it's good for Bam, and I'm I'm trusting them. But I want to see it. I really do want to see it, or else I think this whole experiment is a failure. Because I'm kind of mad that we let Kendrick Nunn go over to the Lakers, and I, I'm mad about that because I really wanted Kendrick Nunn back, and so I'm mad that he went over to Los Angeles, where Los Angeles just went wild this off season. And it's like they called everybody that used to play for them and was like sent them that uh sent them that hey you up text or what's up big head and uh but they got Kendrick Nunn which I think was an underrated uh, underrated pickup that a lot of people aren't talking about now Kendrick Nunn last year was his second year in the league um, he averaged 14 points a game played 56 games he shot 38% from three. That was one of the big things with all the pickups that the Lakers had was where are you going to get your three-point shooting from? And with Kendrick Nunn, from the field, he was 48.5%. And then from three, he was 38.1%, which isn't bad. So he, he shot 38% from the three. But then they also went and got Carmelo. Now, Carmelo, he's he's older. But what we, what we know about Carmelo is he can still get you buckets. He averaged 13 last year for the Portland Trail Blazers. He shot 40% from three for the Portland Trail Blazers and 42% from the field. So Melo can still get you buckets. And now we joke around. I joked around even on this on Twitter about how um, the Lakers got old. <laughs> they they got the, the nursing home um, and they got Kendrick Nunn and Malik Monk to look over the nursing home. Because, you know, they also signed Wayne Ellington. They traded for Russell Westbrook. They sent Kyle Kuzma, Montrez Harrell, and, um, or no, they didn't have, did, yeah, Montrez Harrell. And um, who else did they send over there for, for what, Russell Westbrook? Oh, KCP sent him over to D.C. for Russell Westbrook. Um, and now with Russell Westbrook, when we, when them, when they signed, when they got Russell Westbrook, and then you got LeBron, and then you got A.D., you sent away one of your shooters, you know, everybody was questioning, how are you going to space the floor? Because you have a bunch of dudes that thrive off of, you know, their inside game. And so you don't really have any shooters, and that was a problem for them last year. But then they went and got Kendrick Nunn. Then they went and got Carmelo. Then they got Malik Monk, who also last year um, shot 40% from three and averaged 11 points a game. And he's, he's young. He was only in his fourth year last year. So they got someone who has improved his three-point shooting every single year. First year, he shot 34%. Second year, he shot 33%. Uh, third year, he shot terribly. He shot 28%. But last year, he got it up to 40%. So you got someone who improved from the three-point three um, last year, as well as Kendrick Nunn, who improved. Carmelo, who shot 40%. Then you get Wayne Ellington, who used to play for the Lakers, but you bring him back. He shot 42% from three, only averaged nine points a game, but he shot 42% from three last year. So they did go and get at least three dudes that could shoot 40% from three, or four dudes that could shoot 40% from three, and Kendrick Nunn, Carmelo, Malik Monk, and Wayne Ellington. And so that helps out Russell Westbrook. 
um, LeBron James and uh, AD. Only thing that I worry about with AD is his durability, really. And then, and with the age of some of these players, is like you got Russ, who you know always has these knee injuries, um, not necessarily like injuries, but has to get knee drained, stuff, different things like that with his knee. Um, then you got Carmelo; he hasn't really had too many injuries, I don't believe. Um, but you get Dwight Howard, Trevor Ariza, and LeBron. Yes, LeBron is in year what, almost twenty, or this may be year nineteen, year twenty, something like that. And we've started to see LeBron look more human over the past few years than we've ever seen him out of, over his career. So with that, you know, it's just a little bit on you you kind of get concerned with the injuries with the older guys to see if but I think also a lot of this with a lot of these moves, it takes some of the pressure off of LeBron. Like with rest with Westbrook, that takes some of the pressure off of Brian. Where Brian doesn't really have to do everything. He doesn't he doesn't have to look to get shots for everybody because Russell Westbrook is a walking triple double. We know he's going to go out there and uh, he's going to work. On, he's going to get his assists, his rebounds and his points or whatever. So that takes some of the pressure off of LeBron. And maybe this unlocks catch and shoot LeBron where he can shoot 38 percent from the from three. We don't know. Maybe he, he'll he be working on his three point game uh, this offseason and he'll get that three-point percentage up to 38% or, you know, something like that. We don't know. But they also get Trevor Ariza, who last year from Miami um, shot 35% from three. The year before in Portland, he shot 40%. So you, you, get, some, you get some shooting. Uh, Trevor Ariza can also, I mean, he's in like year 20 as well. But he, you'll also get some defense out of him as well. So we'll see how that goes over there in L.A. Uh, another team that did really good this offseason was the Chicago Bulls. Um, they got Lonzo Ball, <laughs> which I'm kind of baffled that uh, the Pelicans gave up on him so quickly, especially a young player who I believe is only like 24, 25, um, and they gave up on him already. And, oh, yeah, he's only 23. My bad. He's not even 24 yet. So you give up on Lonzo, who's – Four years in the league. This is his fifth year. He's improved. His shooting has improved. Um, his defense has always been there. His free throw his free throw percentage has improved. He got his points up to 14 points per game this season. And the Pelicans just said, nah, we're done with you. Even after like the chemistry him and Zion had, they're just like, nah, we we good off of that. But then they go also get Alex Caruso in free agency, which I was surprised that. The Lakers let him go, um, but they let him go, and the Bulls swiped him up. And then you get another guy who can get you a bucket in DeMar DeRozan. So when Lonzo don't have it going, when uh, what's the what's the other lights? Uh, Zach Levine don't have it going. DeMar DeRozan can, can go out there and get you a bucket. So it's they. I believe they had a very good preseason or very good offseason as well, very good free agency. Um, but we'll see how these three teams, how they mesh, like, well, how their players mesh once the season starts and see, you know, because everybody really right now is saying the Lakers are going to win it all. And now I, I get it because they got a lot of talent over there, even with the older players, because they, they still got a lot of players that can still ball. But the Western Conference ain't really going nowhere. Now, I mean, people say they don't really see a team that can mess with the Lakers, but with the Lakers, the biggest factor is health. Um, one of my things is I think a lot of people are sleeping on Golden State. Just because, you know, we're not prisoners of the moment, but 
Golden State really hasn't been in contention in the last two years because they just been ass. I mean, they got bounced last year in the play-in tournament, um, but they just haven't been the Golden State that we were accustomed to for like five years up until, you know, what was it, 2019? But people are forgetting that Clay is coming back this year. They just resigned Iggy. Um, Clay is coming back. They still got Draymond. They still got Steph, who just got the scoring title last year, who lit it up all last season. Um, and we already know how Golden State responds when people, when everybody's sleeping on them. But to to crown the Lakers already, when we still, I believe Golden State can still be a juggernaut. And especially with some of the pickups they got um, in the draft when they, they drafted Kaminga and they drafted, uh, I think it's Moody. Uh, I believe that's his name. Um, but I, I think they really, people are sleeping. People are sleeping on them. And uh, yeah, Moses Moody. People are really sleeping on Golden State this year. And so we're going to see. We're going to see. And I, I think they'll make a lot of noise. James Wiseman especially if he can come back healthy and, you know, make some some leaps and bounds. Golden State might – I'm telling y'all, don't sleep on Golden State. I understand the Lakers are stacked. I understand that you still got Phoenix that still got Chris Paul and their whole team together, and they made some moves this offseason. I get it. I understand. But you cannot sleep on Golden State. I guarantee – Golden State will be – I think Golden State will be anywhere between the second and fifth seed. I know that's not saying much, but I think I think they'll be somewhere between the second and fifth seed. Really, I could see them between two at two and four. Anywhere second, third, or fourth. I could I could realistically see Golden State seated in the second, third, or fourth seed in the Western Conference. As long as as long as Clay stays healthy and and everybody is healthy, I can realistically see Golden State up there. They could they could really be that team again. Um but yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a quick little break. That's all I have for the NBA. I'm gonna take a quick little break and when we come back, I want to get into some of this football stuff cuz we like I said, we got the NFL right around the corner and there was also some news that happened last week that kind of hurt my heart, but we're going to get into that when we get back from this little break. Ooh, girl, that's what I like If you wanna give it away, you can give it away 
Don't let me get in your way. These little shit, they matter like, baby, you pretty today. You looking so pretty today. Baby, come give me that. Mm-hmm. Can I come over, say? We making love, you say? Mm-hmm. You can get all of me, my baby. You said the other to be my baby. You can't be scared of your dreams, no, baby. I'm falling in love again. Yeah, I'm so tired of you. Like I did You never really had no idea You had me drowning in my fears Oh Love is a dangerous game And you can get all of me, my baby You take the air that I breathe, oh baby You can't be scared of your dreams, oh baby Falling in love again mm, I'm so tired of you When I back, why did someone play don't get away Cause I won't deal with it no more Baby, don't play with me When I write back, when you need someone Plan it on getting away And you wanna deal with me no more Alright, so we back from that quick little break And that was Tired of You by Young Blue and Her just wanted to switch it up a little bit, give a whole different vibe, but we back. Hope y'all enjoyed it. But before we get off into this NFL stuff, I do want to talk a little bit about Dennis Schroeder. Now, Dennis Schroeder turned down a, what was it, four-year, $84 million deal with the LA Lakers that they gave him, I guess, like, you know, somewhere before the playoffs, um, because he was betting on himself. He wanted, I believe he wanted about a, about 25 million a year so with the four-year 84 million it was about 21 million a year and i think he wanted like 25 million a year um he turned that down and ended up signing with boston on the mid-level exception for 5.9 million um one year deal so you turn down 21 million a year just to sign for 5.9 million in one year now this is the ultimate bet on himself i guess he betted on himself last season and this season again, he's betting on himself, and um, I, I just don't know, man. Like he shot thirty-three percent from three last year, forty-three percent from the field, averaged fifteen points per game. Uh, this was probably one besides his first three years. This was probably one of his lowest produ- production years of his career. So um, his first year, he only averaged three points a game. Second year, ten. Uh, third year 11 points per game but then after that it was like 17 19 15.5 18.9 and then it got down to 15.4 so this was probably one of his worst years of his career uh one of his probably his second third best um on three point percentage but uh he he betted on himself and he lost pretty much and so now he's playing for 5.9 million and he's betting on himself again and hopefully, you know, hopefully after this season, he can go get that big contract. He can go get them M's. 
but as as it stands right now, um, he's not he's nowhere near that twenty five million that he wanted that four year hundred million dollar deal. Now I mean, with the five point nine million, he can go to Mexico and take about a mill out the bank, um, and his receipt will say that he has a hundred million, but that'll be like in pesos. So his receipt will say he has 100 million pesos. Um, And I mean, maybe he'll get happy like I got when I thought I had $16,000 in my bank account. But it was 16,000 pesos because, you know, it has a dollar sign and everything. You just got to remember his pesos. So maybe he'll get happy like I got. But that's the only way he's going to see 100 million this season. Because bro played himself out of that contract. He played himself out of getting a a big contract this offseason. Um, but maybe, like I said, maybe he won't drop the ball this this year and he can get, you know, he can get that four year hundred million dollar contract he's looking for. And maybe even more. I don't know. Uh, I mean, he's only what been in the league eight years, so he's still got some time, um, but he just has to be able to produce. He has to produce this season. And if he can, then better. Best luck to him, you know. Uh, but yeah, let's get into this NFL, man. So, you know, everybody that knows me, and if you listen to my podcast, you know, I'm a Colts fan. If this isn't the first time you listen to my podcast, um, then like I said, you know, I'm a Colts fan, you know, that's my squad. Y'all know I've been going hard on, uh, I've been going hard on Carson Wentz, you know, him, him coming over to Indy. I was big happy about that. I thought he was, I still think he's going to have a great season, but um, you know, I thought this was going to be a time for him to shut people up. And then bro bo- broke a bone or broke a piece of a bone in his foot or something like that. Um, and it's one of those things where now everybody's talking about him still being made of glass because of the injuries and another injury before the season even starts six weeks from the se- six weeks from the season. And he's already hurt. Um, and so with this, with this, surgery that he had it's it's pretty much he's going to miss about five to 12 weeks that's where that's the broad scope that they have is five to 12 or the the broad time frame that they have is five to 12 weeks um somewhere i was reading that the reason the scope is so so large is because this isn't really a uh an injury that people see or a surgery that happens with athletes um where they have to remove the bone from the foot and everything. And it's really about, I guess, pain tolerance in the athlete. How much pain can you tolerate after six weeks or whatever? Um, and so with Carson Wentz, like I said, the time frame is five to 12 weeks. Um, we're six, we were six weeks away from the season when the injury happened and he had surgery. And I don't know, man. Like, I think he'll come back anywhere between week, probably week two, week three. Um, I think that's where he's going to come back at. I think he'll be good to go. Apparently today, which I'm recording on a Tuesday, apparently him and because Quentin Nelson had the same injury. So like the day after Carson Wentz got hurt, Quentin Nelson was reported that he was missing practice and going to have the same surgery that Carson Wentz had because of the injury. Um, And so that kind of sucks because both of them, we kind of need both of them. The whole thing with the left guard position with Quentin Nelson is we, we pretty much thought that we could plug any left tackle in until, um, what's his name? Uh, I forget the guy name that we just signed (laughs) at left tackle, but, um, 
we pretty much thought that we could we could plug anybody in at left tackle until old dude comes back. Matter of fact, let me look up his name because I, I can't I can't uh mess this up. I gotta I gotta know who it is. I gotta remember who it is. Um where is he? Eric Fisher. That's right. We got Eric Fisher. So until Eric Fisher comes back, because remember he tore his Achilles. So until Eric Fisher comes back, we figured we could just plug anybody in at left tackle and Quentin Nelson is at left guard, so he'll be a tremendous help to whoever's at left tackle. And now with Quentin Nelson hurt, it's kind of like, well, we lost that. Um, but Quentin Nelson says he says he'll be back by week one. We'll see if that actually happens. I don't know. I'm I'm hopeful that he'll be back by week one. But once again, I don't I don't know if that's actually going to happen. Um, but the Colts did sign an offensive guard in Quentin Nelson's place just in case he's not back in time. Um, and what was his name? Give me a second. Uh, I believe it's Chris, Chris Reed. We signed him who he's had a pretty solid career so far. Um, but we went and signed him in order to help out when, since Quentin Nelson is gone. So we'll see how it goes. We'll see if they both can come back by week one, week two. Um, once again, it's one of those things where I guess is depending on how much pain you can tolerate Quentin Nelson, he's a dog. So, I mean, I'm, I can see him being back by week one, uh, Carson Wentz. I honestly, I believe Carson Wentz has a high pain tolerance. And the reason I say that is because Carson Wentz, if you all remember, I believe it was 2017, 2018, one of those seasons, Carson Wentz played with a, a, a fractured, uh, fracture in his back. And I know that has to be painful, especially when you continue to get hit, you know, as a quarterback, whether it's getting knocked down, whether it's getting sacked or whatever, you continuously get hit um, and you have to throw the ball. So a lot of that torque in your your midsection um, in your core, which your back is part of that core. Um, so I could see where Carson Wentz could probably have a, a high t- pain tolerance, but because it was his right foot. Him dropping back on that foot and, and pushing off to throw the ball downfield, I don't know. But also, like I said, they weren't, neither one of them, they were both at practice today on Tuesday, and neither one of them were in a boot or in a, a foot wrap. So, you know, that, that could go to show you a lot as well on how this surgery went and how they may be feeling. But I don't know. All I know right now is Jacob Eason and Sam Ellinger are taking snaps at quarterback and, um, Apparently, both of them, are, they're splitting first team reps. So Jacob Eason, I, I mean, I was I was happy the coach drafted him in the sixth round, I believe, in 2000 and what uh, the 2020 draft. I was happy about it because he was a project quarterback and it could be somebody that Frank Wright could get right uh, when the time came for him to become the starter. Um, but now they're splitting reps with him and Sam Ellinger, who was also the sixth round pick from this year for the Indianapolis Colts at the quarterback position. Now, Ellinger, what we know about him is he doesn't really have a strong arm. Now, he can make plays. We saw him make plays at the University of Texas. He can do that, but he doesn't have a lot of velocity. Jacob Eason, on the other hand, with him, what we saw in college when he was at UW, was that he shrank under pressure, especially when it was big-time moments in the game or whether it was blitzes coming. (laughs) Like, he shrank under pressure, but he had a strong arm. And so... You know, with that strong arm, he can make a lot of plays with his arm because he, the arm talent is there. But it's just the mental. If that is is that if is that there, 
Um, now, Frank Wright has gone on record saying that Jacob Eason is the starter for the season. They believe in Jacob, um, and he will be the starter for the season. But him and Sam Ellinger will share reps in the preseason, which they should because they both need a lot of a lot of real game reps. And we'll see how um, things go this week when they have the joint practice with the Carolina Panthers. We'll see how all of that goes. Um, but as of right now, because our first few weeks of this season are very tough. So, you know, we could really start off. We need to go 500. And it, like if if Carson Wentz misses, you know, the first four games, we need to at least go 500 um, in the first four games. And Carson Wentz comes back by week five to face Baltimore. Then, you know, that's a game we're really going to need him back for because the first game is against Seattle. The second game is against the Rams. The third game is a divisional game against the Titans, um, who, you know, everybody was thinking that the Titans and the Colts were going to be in contention for the AFC South this year because we don't really believe in the Houston Texans or the Jacksonville Jaguars right now. Um, and then week four, we play Miami. So if we can go 500 in those four games, at least win two out of those four, that'll be good because then Carson Wentz can come back against Baltimore in week five. That's only if he doesn't come back by week two or week three. Um, but that'll, that'll be good if we can go 500 in those first four games with a backup quarterback. And then Carson Wentz comes back against Baltimore um, where I think we will really need him. Because if we start off 0-5, it's going to be a tough hole to climb out of. Um, we pretty much going to have to run the table. Because I'm pre- I was predicting t- either 11-6 or 12-5. So that would mean if we, start off, if we started off 0-5 because Carson Wentz was hurt, and he came back week six, like just that just that's just what happened. October week six. Um, then we're going to have to we can only lose one more game for my prediction to come true and possibly for us to go to the playoffs. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, now, I want to get to another team that they call America's team. And the only reason I want to talk about this team is because this year, HBO Hard Knocks has presented the Dallas Cowboys. Um, and today was the first episode. It aired at 10 p.m. Eastern. First episode of the Hard Knocks series of this year's Hard Knocks series. Um, and it, it brought us it was a pretty good episode. I'm not even going to cap. It was a pretty good episode. Um, it showed a lot of things. It showed that uh, it Dak move, was moving around pretty good. Like, you know, through the episode, you could see Dak playing the quarterback position. Um, I mean, and to start off the episode, they actually showed that horrific play of him breaking his ankle against the New York Giants. I don't know why the hell they would show that play. I get it. That was part of the season. That was part of the drama of the show or whatever. But y'all didn't have to show that. Hard Knocks, HBO, y'all didn't have to show that again. We've seen it. We've seen it so many times. We didn't want to see it no more. But anyway, coming back from that ankle injury, Dak's movement looks to be good, whether it's lateral um, stepping up in the pocket, all of that. His movement looks to be good on the run. Uh, everything looks to be good. They they did, you know, have a segment in there where they talked about Dallas limiting Dak and not letting him take so many reps because they want to ease him back into things and not have that ankle um, be a hindrance to him. But Dak didn't like that. And it was good to see Dak animated on the sideline when they had him sitting out. And I thought I said the F word a lot, but... Uh, this episode showed me something else because that's all we heard was the F word being dropped the whole episode uh, by Dak, by the coaches, by everybody. Um, 
but Dak was animated because he didn't want to sit out. He was like, man, I sat out long enough. I want to get in here and play. I'm, I'm back. I'm ready. I want to practice. I want to do all this, you know, this, that, and the third. Um, he wanted all the reps. So I, I like to see that fire from Dak because I think that's going to that's gonna help carry that team. Um, him out there with something to prove. Um, then we also saw Zeke lost hella weight. Zeke looked good out there. And, I mean, he was wearing hoodies and everything to keep trying to, during practice stuff, to, to keep trying to lose some weight or get in shape or whatever. And it looked like his lungs are back because over the past two seasons, you see Zeke run like five yards and he, he asking for a breather. He asking to come out the game or, or whatever. So it was good to see Zeke be uh, back in shape and, 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 and ready to go because I think that's going to him and him and Dak are going to be a big part of that offense along with that receiving core. Um, which Dallas has one of the best receiving cores in the league, in my opinion, with Michael Gallup, Amari Cooper, and CeeDee Lamb. That that receiving core is dynamic. Um, then you had one of the, I believe it was the special teams coordinator, John Fassel. I, I was on my phone. I, I'm looking up something on my phone. And then next thing I hear is, you know, some shit about sperm and all this other stuff. So I'm like, hold on, what the hell is this dude talking about? And so I had to rewind, and he was talking about a vasectomy. I'm like, bruh. Like, I get you got to have some lighthearted moments, but, bro, come on now. A vasectomy at practice, or not even at practice, they were in, in, in meetings. And we talking about a vasectomy in meetings? Like, bro, get that shit right. Get the shit together, man, and, and get everything back on point. He was talking about how he got a vasectomy. They, somebody asked him about uh, how does it work when you reverse it. He's like, shit, I don't know. I ain't had it reversed. This, that, and the third. And I'm like, bro, like, why the fuck are we talking about that? Um... It is, yeah, I'm just like, y'all, y'all tripping. Um, Michael Parsons, man, Michael Parsons looked like he's playing with a lot of energy, looked like he's out there to compete. I mean, we all knew that with Michael Parsons, he was going to be a stud linebacker. Um, if you watched him at Penn State, you, you saw the production, you saw the, uh, you saw the athleticism, you saw the speed, you saw all of that out of Michael Parsons and it explains why Dallas took him I believe with the 10th overall pick um but watching hard knocks he has that fire underneath him um he wants to make plays he wants to be around the ball at all times which is a gift and a curse and I'll tell y'all why in a minute um but he's there to compete he's there to do his thing um and I and I like that one of one of the things I wish they would have shown more and maybe we'll see this later on throughout the series um, cause there's about maybe five or six more episodes, I believe something like that, but, um, there's more episodes that's coming, but I wish they would have showed more of Jabril Cox. He was one of the guys that I thought dropped a lot in the NFL draft. And I guess that could have been because of size or maybe the one year at LSU or two years at LSU, however many it was. Um, but his, I think his stock dropped a lot in the draft. Um, and Dallas ended up picking him up. I want to say in like the fifth or sixth round they i don't i know they picked him up late i don't remember exactly when he was drafted um let me let me check but i wish they would have shown more of him um because he actually had a i didn't watch all of the preseason game but he actually had a pretty good preseason um a pretty good preseason game he uh oh yeah he was drafted in the fourth round my bad but he had a pretty good preseason game. He had about four tackles, five tackles, which I believe led the team in, in tackles during that preseason game. But I, I wish they would have just showed more to him. Like I said, they probably will show a little bit more. Um, but watching some of that preseason game, Michael Parsons looked like he he has a high motor, man. He he actually reminds me of a lot of Jalen Smith 
before Jalen Smith got that contract. Um, when Jalen Smith, before he got that big contract, Jalen Smith was always, I mean, he, he kind of is now, but he looks more out of place a lot now than he did before. But, uh, and this is, that's why I say it's a gift and a curse, because also if you're always around the ball, sometimes you may be out of place. You, you may not be where you're supposed to be at in, in certain inst- instances, in certain, in certain plays, certain packages. Um, and so that's why I say it's a gift and a curse because you can, you can, you're trying to make plays, but sometimes you leave somebody else out there to dry. And that's what you see with Jalen Smith sometimes. Um, and this year it just seemed like it was a lack of effort on Jalen Smith's behalf. But Micah Parsons looked like the effort is there. Like you don't have to worry about the effort ever with Micah Parsons because dude flies around. And so that was good to see. Um, but with the Cowboys, man, the, the offense the offense on the Cowboys isn't what concerns me. It's the defense, and that's my only concern with Dallas. Um, now, I know I, w- I was happy about them bringing in Dan Quinn, and I was happy about the Keanu, uh, Keanu, the Keanu Neal um, pickup and, and, and Casey and all of that stuff because um, I believe Keanu Neal needs a change of scenery, and I believe he's good. Just He just got bit by the injury bug early in his career. Um, but defense has always been a concern of mine for the Dallas Cowboys, especially going into this offseason. Um, and they got Dan Quinn, but Dan Quinn has only had one top 10 defense with Atlanta. And that was the year after the Super Bowl. Even the year of the Super Bowl, they had like a top 20 defense or a top 25 defense. They weren't even in the top 10 the year they went to the Super Bowl. Um, and a lot of people, you know, they're happy about Dan Quinn and everything because of what Dan Quinn had in Seattle. But the thing about the Seattle defense is Dan Quinn didn't build that defense. He inherited that defense from Gus Bradley in 2013. Gus Bradley and Pete Carroll were the ones that built that defense up to what it, what it was during those Legion of Boom years. And Dan Quinn took over after Gus Bradley, I believe, went to Jacksonville as a head coach. Um, and so when he was with the Seahawks for in 2013, I believe through 2000 and I want to say 15 um, before he went to Atlanta, they had the number one defense for those three years. And then he went to Atlanta. Then they had like the number three defense. Um, the Seahawks had the number three defense, um, but then Seahawks defense started falling apart and we all know how that ended. Um, so I don't know if Dan Quinn is really the guy because once again, he's not the one that built that defense. And even with Atlanta, we never saw them go have a top 10 defense besides one time. And he was with Atlanta, I want to say like five or six years, or actually about seven years, something like that. So um, it's, it's left to be seen. We really don't know how that's going to translate to the Dallas Cowboys. Yes, they got Michael Parsons, who I believe will be legit. They got Kelvin Joseph in the second round, the cornerback, who I believe will help bolster that secondary. Um, but really that secondary, I mean, although the secondary was bad, um, they were the 11th best passing defense in the league in terms of yards given up. They only gave up 3,642 yards on the season, which was an average of 220, 227 yards per game. Um, but they, they ranked 27th in the league for passing touchdowns given up. They gave up 34, uh, receiving touchdowns, um, and only recreate, only created 10 turnovers through the air. So they only had 10 interceptions. Um, so the tackling in the secondary was there. They just weren't forcing any incompletions or any turnovers. QBs also completed about 63.9% of their passes against Dallas. So on average. So 
that I mean, although the yards were down, when you look at all the other stats, the passing defense really wasn't that good. When you look at touchdowns given up, look at turnovers, the passing defense, the secondary wasn't that good. So maybe Kel Kelvin Joseph can come in and, and help bolster up that secondary, be maybe on the opposite opposite side of digs. We don't we don't know yet. We will see. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Um but a, another issue with that defense was the rushing defense. They gave up an average of 158.8 yards a game, 2,564 yards all season, and 20 touchdowns on the ground. This was like, I think their defense, their rushing defense ranked like 30th, 31st in the league. So they weren't really good. Um, and after the bye week, you know, one thing I will say is that after the bye week, the bye week was week 10. We saw the defense turn the corner a little bit where they were creating turnovers. Um, from weeks 11 through 17, they, first six, they forced 16 turnovers. Um, but, through, but weeks 1 through 9, they only had about 7 turnovers. Like I said, week 10 was their bye week. So you saw them turn the corner a little bit on defense with, with getting those turnovers. Although they didn't get a lot. But you saw, like I said, you saw them turn the corner last year a little bit. So maybe that'll carry into this year. We don't know just because now it's a whole new scheme, a whole new system. So now they're learning something all over again. Um, and a lot of what we saw from last year was lack of hustle on the players part and lack of not knowing and, and not knowing where your assignment was, where you were supposed to be lined up at, what you were supposed to be doing. And this is why I say with uh, Jalen Smith. He's always around the ball, but sometimes if you just stick to your assignment and you're not leaving other people out to out to dry. So, I mean, sometimes you just got to stick to the assignment and that way your defense can thrive the way it needs to thrive. And maybe that's why it wasn't thriving last year, because the players didn't stick to their assignments. So, like I said, we'll see if that improved when the season starts. I don't know if it does improve, then Dallas could be a special team this year, especially with that high-powered offense and having, like, the, the 30th-ranked easiest schedule of the season based on the team's last year or records last year. But they have, like, the 30th the, – they have the, the 30th heart – I guess I said that wrong. They have the, the – they have one of the easiest teams or one of the easiest schedules. They have the, what, 30th hardest schedule or some shit, some shit like that. I don't know. Anyway, they have a very easy schedule. That's all I'm trying to say. Um, they have a very easy schedule this year. Their strength of schedule ranks 30th in the league. So they're not really playing a lot of good teams this year. Like I said, it's all based on last year's records. Everybody got a little bit better. So so we'll see going forward. But as, a, as it is right now, they have one of the easiest schedules in the NFL this year. Um, and they went hard this offseason trying to address defense. Like eight of their... Eight of their 11 draft picks were defensive picks in this year's draft. They drafted three defensive linemen, two linebackers, and three DBs. And in free agency, they brought in some guys, and uh, they also kept some defensive guys. So this year, they really tried to press the issue and address defense this season. So we'll see if that worked out in their favor. Um, season is four weeks away, pretty much, at this point. So <laughs> we, will, we will get to it, and we will see what happens. Um, and I have a few friends that are Dallas Dallas fans, so we gonna we'll see we'll see how y'all do this year, man. We'll see how y'all do. But again, we're gonna take a quick little break, and when we come back, we are gonna get into 
the rookie receivers, the top 10 rookie receivers I want you all to look out for this season. And I'm going to tell you all why I want you to look out for these receivers this season. Um, so we're going to take a quick little break and we get back to it. We're going to get into that. So we're back from that quick little break. And another song by Young Blue, Beautiful Lies, featuring Kehlani. Hope you all enjoyed that. Once again, just a whole different vibe. Wanted to come with something different on this episode. 
Now I want to get into the top 10 Ricky receivers I want you all to look out for this upcoming season. And maybe, you know, stash them on your fantasy, uh, on your fantasy team, on the bench or whatever. Um, and wait for that breakout game for them. Now, we're going to start at number 10. And the one on my list at number 10 is Nico Collins. He's a University of Michigan product. And I understand, you know, Michigan receivers, they don't really have like the pedigree, right? Like you don't really see them coming out and being like these big, big time receivers because they didn't really do much in college. Um, but Nico Collins, he stands about 6'4", 215 pounds, about 220 pounds. But it's what I would say with him is it's the same with Donovan Peoples-Jones. He went to University of Michigan as well. But then we see him with the, the Cleveland Browns, and we, we've seen some of the plays he's made in the Cleveland Browns uniform, especially when Odell got hurt. We've seen him step up in, in some ways. Now, I, he didn't have a lot of stats. Like, he didn't have hella, like, just hella stats last year. But he had 18 receptions, 77 yards. But we saw the flashes there. We saw, um, we saw that he could produce at an elite level in the NFL. We, there, were, there were a lot of flashes. I can't remember exactly which games, but there were a lot of flashes that he had where it's like, damn, Michigan really had him on their team? Actually, and my bad, that was, that was not even, that's 77 punt return yards. Let me go to the receiving yards. He had 304 receiving yards off of 14 receptions. So, that, so that's what I'm saying. Like 14 receptions, 304 yards, averaging 21.7 yards a reception and two touchdowns for the Cleveland Browns. And that's Donovan Peoples-Jones. We didn't really see that at the University of Michigan because they didn't really have a good quarterback situation. Now, I will say the Houston Texans, where Nico Collins is currently, doesn't have a good quarterback situation either, but they do have Tyrod Taylor. Um, I don't know if Davis Mills were, will end up starting some point this season. I assume he will. And if you all listen to my draft episode, I'm, I'm a little high on him. I believe he's going to have a good overall career. Maybe not a good first season, but I believe Davis Mills could have a really good career. Because if you watch him at Stanford, he has the tools. But uh, Nico Collins with Tyrod Taylor, I think he will become one of one of Tyrod Taylor's favorite favorite targets. And if you read up on some of some of what uh, the Houston Texans are reporting, he's making some noise in camp. So I want you all to look out for Nico Collins at number nine. I want you all to look out for Terrace Marshall, receiver out of LSU, currently playing for the Carolina Panthers. He's like, I want to say the uh, want to say the third receiver on um, their depth chart behind Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore. So he's already up there. And apparently he's been making some noise in, in camp as well. Of course, Sam Darnold and Robbie Anderson might have that connection just because they played together when they were both in um, in, in New York. But Terrace Marshall has been one of those names that's been coming up as someone who is putting up a very good camp. Um, and he's he's fast. Like, he, I believe he ran like a 4-4-4-3, something like that at his pro day. Um, another one is Josh Palmer out of Tennessee. He's with the L.A. Chargers right now. Um, he's like the third. He's like the fourth guy on the depth chart behind Keenan Allen, Mike Williams and Jalen Guyton. But if any one of them goes down. Or if Mike Williams isn't producing, Joshua Palmer could really take on that role, that Mike Williams role, the where they, you know, the the deep the deep ball threat or the deep threat, um, and and everything. 
So look out for, like I said, look out for Joshua Palmer. Number seven on my list, Dayami Brown with the Washington football team. He's the fourth receiver on, on their depth chart as well behind uh, Terry McLaurin, Curtis Samuel, and Adam Humphreys. We know Adam Humphreys can't stay healthy to save his life. So I'm honestly believing that Diami Brown will see a lot of time in his Washington football team offense. Um, and I believe because of Terry, Terry McLaurin and Curtis Samuel, Diami Brown won't get a lot of attention from defenses, which will leave him room to produce a lot for the Washington football team. And so that's why I want you all to keep him, you know, keep an eye out for him. Just keep your eyes on him. These are these are just receivers to look out for. These are dudes that produced in college and I believe will also um, give you some good production in the NFL for years to come. Um, the next one on my list is Elijah Moore out of Ole Miss playing for the New York Jets. He's about he's the third. He's the fourth receiver um, for the New York Jets. But like I said, he's already making noise or, you know, like I've read, he's always he's already making noise in camp. He, he's he's making plays. Uh, and he's, he's just doing every, he's doing things right, uh, for the New York Jets. And, and I mean, with Jamison Crowder, who's always plagued with injuries, uh, Corey Davis usually has some, you know, some dings goes down with a couple of injuries and then they have Keelan Cole. Uh, they also have Denzel Mims, who I believe they drafted last year, who I honestly, I think he should be a starter. I just, We'll see how the, how the preseason goes, but I think Denzel Mims should be a starter. But keep your eye on Elijah Moore. Um, he's just a football player. Like he's, It's not like he's the fastest. It's not like he's the strongest or the biggest. But there's some guys that are, they're just football players. Like They know how to play the game. They know how to get open. They know how to catch the ball. They know how to make a move and get upfield. They have a nose for the end zone, and that's what Elijah Moore is. So keep your eyes open for him. Um, the next one is Rashad Bateman. Now he just went down with a soft tissue injury, which if you watch the video, he plays for the Baltimore Ravens out of the university of Minnesota. But, um, if you watch the video, I believe he was grabbing his groin or something like that. Um, but he's been making a lot of noise in Baltimore and really Baltimore is going to go as far as Lamar Jackson takes them. But with these weapons that he has now, um, I believe Rashad Bateman may be his best weapon to be honest. Um, I was high off of him coming out of college, out of University of Minnesota. If you watch the man's film, the man's footwork, his route running is amazing. One of the best in the draft, if not the best. And he stands about like six foot, six one, somewhere around there. Um, but bruh is just like he he can play. Like I said, bruh's footwork and his route running is crazy. And he can go get the ball off the top shelf. He's a deep ball threat. He can. He's a, in a red zone threat. He can do it all. So keep your eye on Rashad Bateman. Like I said, just stash these dudes on the bench. You don't have to start them until they break out, but stash them on the bench because I believe these are the guys that's going to break out in their rookie season. The next one, number four, Rondell Moore out of Arizona or with the Arizona Cardinals. He's from uh, Purdue. And if you watch any of his film at Purdue, now he did have some injuries in Purdue, and that's his biggest issue. But if you watch him in Purdue, Burr is electric. Um, he ran like a 4-2-40. He had like a 41-inch uh, uh, vert. He, he's, he's one of those players that's very, very, very explosive, runs really good routes, not afraid to go across the middle. He's about 5'9", 
um, maybe a book, book uh, 80, somewhere around there. So he, he's not afraid to go across the middle, runs a 4-2, can catch, has really good hands, consistent hands. Um, so watch out for Rondell Moore. Bruh is going to put up. He might be, honestly, my boy Justin Bain, I played football with him at the university, or not university, but at, uh, at uh, Bethany College. He went to the University of Baylor um, before he came to Bethany because he had broke his leg or something like that at, at Baylor. Um, he played receiver there, broke his leg, took some years off, and then ended up coming to Bethany to play quarterback. But I was talking to him about about Rondell Moore, um, and he might be the best receiver in this draft class. He might be the best, if not one of the best receivers in this draft class. I know it's a draft class with Jalen Waddle, Devonta Smith, and Jamar Chase, but I'm telling y'all, this dude is explosive. He's more explosive than Jalen Waddle. I will, I will tell you that. Jalen Waddle's fast as hell, but I think Rondell Moore is more explosive. And the only reason Rondell Moore is number four on my list right now is because he is fourth on the depth chart behind A.J. Green, um, DeAndre Hopkins, and Christian Kirk. Now, the thing also with Arizona, they run that air raid offense where they're in 10 personnel, which is one running back, four receivers. They're in that, I want to say, anywhere between like 20 to 30 percent of the time. Um, so he's he's going to get a lot of looks, but that's the only reason he's number four on my list, along with um, his injuries, uh, with his injury. Like right now, he's missing time in camp because he's dealing with an injury. Now, it's not it's, it's not serious, but it's just something to look out for. So that's why I have him at number four on my list. Now, number three is Jalen Waddle. Of course, Miami Dolphins out of the University of Alabama. We already know bro got speed. He didn't run the 40 at his pro day. But if you ever watched him at the University of Alabama, you know the speed that, his bro, that bro possesses. <laughs> you know what he can do. Uh, he's going to be electric for the Miami offense. Really, this, this just depends on how Tua, how, Tua, how Tua goes, how he's developed. Um, that, that's really what this is up to with, with Jalen Waddle. If Tua is, is, right, is the right guy for the job, then Jalen Waddle is going to thrive and he's going to have a really good season. Um, but like I said, it just it just all depends on Tua. The next one is Devonta Smith, Philadelphia, another University of Alabama receiver. Um, I mean, there's really not much to say about him. If you watched him in college, you already you already know. Number one is Jamar Chase. Y'all should have known that was coming. Um, Brad was nice in college at LSU. He's with Cincinnati, he's in Cincinnati now with Joe Burrow, his former college quarterback. They already have a rapport, and that receiving core in, in, in Cincinnati is disgusting. You got T. Higgins, you got Jamar Chase, um, and I, I always forget the other receiver's name. He doesn't suck. I just always forget his name just because all the hype has been around um, Jamar Chase going to going to Cincinnati. Let me let me let me get this because. I don't I don't want to leave y'all with you know with anything anything wrong. I believe it's it's not Auden Tate. Um what's bruh's name? Hold on, give me a second. Cause Auden Tate, I think, is like the third string quarter or the third string receiver now. I, I don't think he's gonna be um what the hell? I don't think he's gonna be the guy anymore or one of the guys anymore. He he might be if they go four personnel at receiver. But, um, yeah, I don't think Alden Tate's going to be up there too much longer. Um, but who is it? T. Higgins. Tyler Boyd. That's his name. Tyler Boyd. 
So you got T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, and Jamar Chase. I think that Jamar Chase is going to have a really good season out there. Um, I think he's going to do he's going to do some good things. He's he's going to do some really good things in in Cincinnati. <laughs> it, this list, I mean, the the receiver list. What I mean, it was deep this year. the The receiving uh, the talent in the draft this past season was deep. But these are the 10 receivers that I think will have the better seasons out of the rest of them. Now, Dwayne Eskridge is up there because he's he's in in Seattle. Um, I believe he'll be he'll be getting some play time with Seattle with the Seahawks. Honestly, I believe he might be the number three receiver because I think that's the whole reason they went and got him. Um, then you have Kadarius Tony with the with the New York Giants. Really, that's depending on uh, Danny Dimes. I don't really know how he's going to progress, uh, you know, how he's doing in camp. But you got Kadarius Tony. I believe he's just a playmaker. I don't really think – I don't think he was one of the best receivers in this uh, in this draft. I think he was just a good playmaker. You got Jalen Darden, who's at Tampa. Um, you got Tylen Wallace, who's also in Baltimore. He's out of Oklahoma State. So, I mean, there, there were some receivers here, but these are just the 10 that I think are going to have better seasons – than the rest. I mean, in my opinion, now I could be wrong, but these are the ones I want you all to look out for going into this season. And like I said, on your fantasy teams, just stash them on the bench. Um, if you can get them, because most of these guys you're going to get with late round picks, be- unless besides Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle, and maybe Devonta Smith, but everybody else, because of where they are on the depth chart and then, or where they are as far as their team, they'll probably be there in the later rounds. Like Rashad Bateman, because he plays for Baltimore, I guarantee you can pick him up in the fifth or sixth round in the you know in your draft league or whatever. Um, but like I said, just just look for these dudes to stash them on your bench or whatever. Um, everybody was giving out their top ten lists in receivers as far as like receivers we already know about. So I wanted to come in. I want to do a little something different and just give you the ten, the top ten rookie receivers that I see coming in in this year and and what they could possibly do with their teams. Um, and if they can make any noise, I think they. I think this ten, this ten I gave you all can make some noise. And we'll name that off again. You got number ten, Nico Collins, number nine, Terrace Marshall, number eight, Josh Palmer, number seven, Diami Brown, number six, Elijah Moore, five, Rashad Bateman, four, Rondell Moore, three, Jalen Waddle, two, Devonta Smith, and number one, Jamar Chase. So that's my list for y'all. That's my list for y'all. Um, but anyway, let me let me know what you all think. Um, hit me up on Twitter at DropBallsPod. Let me know what you all think about my top 10 rookie list going into the season as far as who to look for for the rookie receivers. Um, if you got some comments on what I said about the, the Dallas Cowboys, let me know. Let me know your thoughts on the Dallas Cowboys. Let me know your thoughts on the NBA offseason, free agency, all of that. You know, I want to hear from y'all. So follow your boy on Twitter at DropBallsPod, um, and I follow back. So we'll have a good time on Twitter, and we can talk about this episode. We can talk about all of that. Um, but until next time, man, that's all I have for you all. Hope you all enjoyed the show. Hope you all enjoyed the episode. Until next time, y'all be easy. Have a good rest of your week. Peace.